Thank you, Natalie. Well, good morning. Good morning, church family. Oh, good morning to those of you coming to us, visiting us from your homes. Uh, happy Mother's Day. It's been said before, but happy Mother's Day again to all moms. Thank you. I pray that you feel loved this morning. I pray you feel honored. I pray you feel celebrated. Thank you for your work, for your service, for your care and your devotion. Yes, thank you for your influence. Thank you very much. Now, yes, uh, my mother, uh, it's been mentioned that my mother is now in heaven this morning, as are some of your moms, uh, experiencing joys that, uh, the joy of complete restoration, experiencing things that I can only imagine or can't even imagine right now. And we'll see our moms again. But for now, we cherish the memories of them. Amen? Amen. Yeah, when I was quite young, um, I thought that dandelions were flowers. Uh, you know, the dandelions, those things that crop up in abundance this month of the year. <laughs> well, uh, nature put those dandelions out there in abundance in the fields and in my yard. Uh, for me to bring to my mom. I thought that was their sole purpose. So, you know, I, I could bring them to my mom. Um, I love bringing dandelions to my mom. And she never discouraged me from doing so. You see, mom, mom never told me the truth about dandelions. You know, she just never did. She would always honor my gift. She would always put them uh, in water and just display them very proudly. My mom also was the one that guided me in accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. She knelt beside me at my bed and was with me as I prayed that prayer. I think I was really only five years old, um, but I'll never forget it. So thank you, Mommy, and happy Mother's Day to you all. So yes, we are continuing in our series today called Why Jesus? Why Jesus? We've been asking and pondering some of the challenging questions of our faith. And today, yes, the question before us is, who was Jesus, actually? And why should I listen to him? Who Jesus was, who Jesus is, is a very important question. Perhaps the most crucial question we can ask in our faith journey. Who Jesus was and who he is is a question that is intrigued and tantalized for over 2,000 years. So what do people think? Well, we have another clip for you up here, a few uh, responses from the streets of New York. And uh, I thank Brother Jed for discovering the audio to this at the 11th hour. So uh, watch with me uh, who some folks think Jesus is. Historical figure? I don't know. I think he was just a person. I don't know. Just a normal person like us? He was a selfless person. I have no clue. He was a man. I think he was marketing genius because he got people to believe him. I don't, I don't think he's the son of God. I don't, don't believe that at all. If David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. I'm 
pretty sure he existed. Like, I'm not gonna say that he didn't exist. He was God's son, but so was Gandhi, and so was Muhammad, and so was, you know, we're all God's children. Jesus is someone I pray to. Well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, um, and he, to me, is the, like, symbol of just ultimate forgiveness and ultimate love. He's sort of that, like, constant figure in my life. Jesus is also Isa in Arabic, and he was a messenger as well. He was just extremely enlightened, like, religiously and morally. Was somebody that um, just tried to um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place. I think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others. And I, I think that's just a lot of love and, and hope. Jesus sort of seemed like an ominous uh, figure. You know, he just, he, he was God and it was hard to relate to him. But I think as I've grown in my faith a lot, I've really started to see Jesus as my closest friend. <coughs> yeah, well, opinions vary, do they not? They're all over the place. You know, Jesus himself asked this very question of his disciples. So if you have a Bible with you today, turn with me, join with me in reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. Kind of a short, focused passage, but I am going to be sharing with you and going through many scriptures today as we share this morning together. So, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. And I love this interaction between Jesus and his disciples. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. The Christ of God. The word of the Lord. Yeah. You know, it was at once a universal and very personal question. And it remains as such today. You can feel the humanity in Jesus' question. You can also feel the longing of God, the longing for us to know him, to really know and discover who he is. So, who was Jesus actually? Of course, we have the documentation of the Gospels, the Gospels comprise a, a theological history of Jesus' life and ministry. But did you know that ancient secular historians also wrote about Jesus? I have a couple of them I'd like to share with you just to, you know, if, if your heart is seeking today who Jesus really was, who he is, or maybe you've ever asked that along the way, along your faith journey just want to provide some things to consider today to answer that question. And so here are a couple of secular historians. One was Tacitus, who was a Roman and not a Christian. And he recorded this particular history in AD 115. He was talking about the burning of Rome 
at the hands of Emperor Nero. So, hear these words from Tacitus, talking about Nero fastened the guilt and afflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations, called the Christians by the populace. Christus, that is Jesus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate, and a deadly superstition, that is, our faith, thus checked for the moment, again broke out, not only in Judea, the source of the evil, evil, but also in the city where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world meet and become popular. So that was Tacitus, ancient Roman historian. Another such was named Flavius Josephus. He was Jewish, but also said to not be a Christian. Recorded this history in AD 90. So a little more of a positive spin, I think you'll find, from Josephus. He says, now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold, these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him and the tribe of Christians so named after him are not extinct at this day. That's Josephus from AD 90, barely beyond the life and ministry, earthly life and ministry of Jesus. So <clears throat> here we have written testimony of two secular historians themselves not believers. They weren't followers of the way. So who was Jesus? I think we can safely say that he lived and walked this earth that we walk on. That it seems Jesus had far more impact than any other individual that we can think of. He was a man who lived, a flesh and blood human. But the question before us today is, was he more? Was he more than that? So, I mentioned the Gospels, so let's turn now to them. And I have several passages for us to consider. What did Jesus say about himself? What were the claims that he made regarding himself? So, here are some of them. We have the first one before us, John 8, 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, that's from John 8. John 11, this was uh, surrounding uh, uh, the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And Jesus said this in John 14, verses 6 and 9. No one comes to the Father, that is to God, except through me. 
Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So in other words, no one has relationship with God except through Jesus. The earthly Jesus said that about himself. Jesus claimed the authority to forgive sins. This from Mark chapter 2, where Jesus has healed a paralytic. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Okay, hold on. Time out. You know, he's been doing miracles, wonderful things, but then he says this. He says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine what that sounded like to the people that were around in that moment? Can you imagine what might have been going on through their minds? Very interesting. C.S. Lewis had something to say about this particular dynamic, Jesus' assertion to forgive sins. This uh, from the book Mere Christianity. He, that is Jesus, told people that their sins were forgiven. And he never waited to consult all the other people whom their sins had undoubtedly injured. Right? He just said they're forgiven. He unhesitatingly behaved as if he was the party chiefly concerned. He was the person chiefly offended in all offenses. Hmm. Hmm. Jesus said he would judge the world. This from Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Are you gaining a sense of the magnitude of these claims? This that the human Jesus would say? about himself. Have you ever pondered these things? Jesus also said this. He was one day dialoguing a bit with the Pharisees, and they, they throw in Abraham, the father of their faith. John 8, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now that I am has a familiar ring to it, right? We see that in the gospel of John also <clears throat> brings to mind the, uh, the dialogue Moses had with the uh, burning bush, right? Back in the Old Testament. Before Abraham was born, I am. And Jesus said this as well. John 10 says, My Father who has given them, that is, people that have come to believe in Him, who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So Jesus is claiming to be God. Wow. These are some extraordinary things to say about oneself, wouldn't you say? Can we believe Jesus when he says these things? Is there evidence to support these claims that he has made? Are there reasons to believe the things that he said about himself. Well, I ask you to consider some things with me. Consider several things that would provide a foundation for that. First of all, think about the teachings of Jesus. 
that we have loved and, and read throughout our lifetime, the Sermon on the Mount, the parables, etc. Jesus' teachings are said to be the wisest, most soul-piercing that have ever been uttered by human lips. His teachings have become a pillar of civilization in the West. His, his teachings have formed a foundation for many of the original laws of England and North America. And even how we tell time, yes, based on Jesus' life. Consider that. Consider the character of Jesus. You know, the compassion that Jesus exuded for the least of these, for the marginalized, was unparalleled. Even on the cross, as he is still hanging there, bloodied and humiliated and near death, Jesus appeals to God the Father on behalf of his executioners, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Consider that. Consider that Jesus fulfilled so many Old Testament prophecies regarding him as the Messiah, as the Christ. Throughout his earthly life, Jesus fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies. These were uttered and written by different voices, different uh, human authors over a span of 500 years. 29 of those were fulfilled on the day of his death, on the day of the crucifixion. You know, the human Jesus would have not have had any control over any number of these, like his birth and the place of his birth, the manner of his death, uh, even where he was buried, the place of his burial. So consider this extraordinary fulfillment of prophecy that all pointed to the Messiah. Consider the works that Jesus did. Consider the miracles. You know, in John, was it John chapter 2? Jesus turned water into wine. Now, he turned it into very good wine. I mean, he didn't turn it into just the house wine. Yep, he turned it into very good wine, the best, they said. You've saved the best for last. He, Jesus multiplied five loaves and two fish into enough food to feed thousands of people that were gathered to hear him that day. Jesus stopped a storm in its tracks, a storm that between it and the nagging of the disciples undoubtedly woke him up from a very good nap. You know, and he stopped it in its tracks. Jesus intervened and a lame man walked again. Jesus intervened and a man who was blind from birth was able to see for the very first time. In John 11, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Consider these things, the works that he did, the miracles. Consider, of course, the resurrection itself. You know, now there are those that say Jesus really didn't die on the cross, that his resurrection was a myth. Both of our secular historians, as you recall, wrote that he did die on the cross. And you know, if the Roman soldiers that day had taken him down from that cross, still alive, they themselves would have been subject to the death penalty. 
Consider that. You know, the enormous stone entrance to the tomb was under constant guard, and the disciples were themselves in disarray and despair. Consider that. There's evidence, medical evidence, from the gospel accounts, and I'm thinking here specifically of the separation of blood and water, medical evidence there to validate that Jesus had died. And then, it says Jesus rose again. He rose again, praise God. And he appeared to many, by some estimates, over 500 that he appeared to, including the disciples. And he did very human things. While he was with his disciples after his resurrection, he ate fish. And at one point, he even made breakfast for the whole bunch of them. Speaking of the disciples, you ever wonder what happened to them beyond the resurrection? Have you ever looked that up? Have you ever pondered that at all? Peter, Bartholomew, and Philip, they were all crucified, upside down. Andrew was crucified on an olive tree. You remember our friend Doubting Thomas? Remember him? Yeah, the one who said, no, I'm not going to believe it until I actually see it. And then when Jesus appeared to them, when they were all together, Thomas proclaimed, my Lord and my God. That Thomas, remember him? He was martyred by spear. Not very many of the disciples lived out a natural lifespan. You see, they knew the truth. They knew the truth of what had happened. Peter proclaimed in Acts 3 that he and his disciples were witness to Jesus' resurrection. Consider that. Consider the immediate effect that all of these events, the crucifixion, had on the early church. Now, both of our secular historians recorded this fact, which was that this movement, this thing that they bore witness to, didn't die out upon Jesus' crucifixion. The early church was born anew upon the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, and it began to grow at an amazing rate. So consider that. Consider what we would call the ongoing Christian experience. See, that is where you and I get to come into all this glorious history. You and I, did you know that? You and I are evidence of the resurrection this morning. Amen? Amen. We are evidence of that. Millions of people throughout the world have encountered the risen Christ. Praise God. What began as just a small gathering of folks who were fiercely oppressed, some to their deaths, has now grown into a worldwide dominant force, a kingdom force. And you and I are part of that force this morning. Amen? Amen. So, Jesus asked this question, what about you? And so that's what I want to ask you this morning, is what about you? Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Should we listen to him? 
should we take to heart what he has said? Here are a few more things that he said about himself. This is from John 6. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Okay, now, do you think Jesus is just talking about food and drink here? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think Jesus spoke this way a lot. Have you hungered for something in your life? Has your soul this morning or ever been in a state of unrest? Are you searching for something? It's just out of your grasp. You know, there are many things we can engage in to amuse or to pacify ourselves. And then partaking of them, we are left with wanting more and still more. You know, and many of these things that we might turn to are not bad things in and of themselves, but they don't deeply satisfy, do they? Not completely. Jesus says that to believe in him is to never hunger or thirst again in your soul. In your soul. Now, I read this verse moments ago, so don't think I'm senile. I did, I, I did repeat it on purpose here. Uh, I know I'm getting older. But uh, <clears throat> John 11, again, he's talking to Martha. You know, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Are you hearing this this morning? Are you hearing it? Jesus also says this to us in John 14. He says, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying to us today that to believe in him is to lay hold of eternal life, life everlasting. Do you believe that this morning? Yes. Have you claimed this for yourself? Who is Jesus to you? Do you honor him in your day-to-day -day life, in your rhythm? I want to give you one more C.S. Lewis writing because he's one of my faves, so I just, you know. I like C.S. Lewis. And from Mere Christianity, he, he's talking about this pondering uh, of who Jesus is. C.S. Lewis says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people say about him, which is, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You must make up your choice, all of us. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense 
about his being a great moral teacher, great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. And he did not, he never intended to. Amen. There's a cry of disillusionment and despair around the globe, a yearning to fill an emptiness of soul, a plea to be rid of worry, to be rid of anxiety, to be rid of fear and guilt. Jesus beckons you to come to him today. Who is he? I would submit to you that he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is God who came to live as us and among us to point us to God. He is Yeshua. He is our deliverer. He is our rescuer, our Savior. That's who Jesus is. That's who he was. That's who he is. Jesus says, come to me in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And uh, worship team, we're about at that point in time. If you'd like to come back up here, um, please. Soul rest, heart rest, heart peace, eternal life. He is Lord, and He is God, eternal God. I ask you, please, either anew or for the first time, to come to Him and discover Him again today.